You're listening to AdvoCast, the adult education podcast, sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Verbonik and Sarah Hegegi. Welcome to Coalition on Adult Basic Education's Adult Ed AdvoCast, the podcast that helps you become a more effective advocate for adult education. I'm Sarah Hagigi, Refugee Education Program Coordinator at Pima Community College and the 2021 Arizona State Advocate for Adult Education Philo. I introduce myself as a passionate educator who believes in empowering students and raising their critical consciousness about social conditions. And my co-host is Erin. Hi, I'm Erin Vabornik, the 2021 State Advocate for Adult Education Fellow from Illinois and ESL instructor at Elgin Community College and a board member of Illinois Adult and Continuing Educators Association. So we have a great show for you today, all about adult education funding. And if you think funding can't be fun, just wait. So we'll chat with Lori Kirstad-Joseph, the Assistant Vice Chancellor for Adult Basic Education for College and Career at Pima Community College, and Anna Chavrin, a former GED student and full-time community organizer with Pima County Interfaith Council. So things have been pretty busy over here in Illinois. So we've had like conferences and advocacy events on top of teaching, because I'm a teacher, and it's just been really hectic this month. Um, How have things been with you, Sarah? Erin, things have been busy here, too. So, and especially today, we're um, doing a progress assessment tonight, and students are walking behind the door, knocking on the door. If you hear some knockings, it's my student. (laughs) (laughs) They want to see how they did in the test and all the details. (laughs) But regardless of that, um, things have been busy here too. So as you know, I oversee a refugee education program and things with refugees here is on the topic. And um, yeah, we've been registering a lot of Afghan um, students and those are the ones that they recently arrived to the United States and they've been resettled here in Pima County. And I just want to point out that Lori and Anna, both of them are from the same city that I live in. And actually, Lori and I work together. She's the boss of my boss. And um, Anna was a former student in our college. So we are very excited. That's amazing. Arizona is representing today on the Advocast. (laughs) (laughs) The Arizona Advocast. (laughs) I'm really excited to talk to Lori um, today, and she's actually one of the big reasons that I actually applied for the COAB State Advocate for Adult Education Fellowship, and she probably doesn't know this because I've never actually met her or spoken to her, so having a bit of a fangirl moment right here, Um, but she did a webinar through COAB. early, early on in 2021. Um, And she had mentioned at some point during it, and it was such a brief moment, but it had such a big impact on me that she she doesn't describe herself as like the most outgoing person. And as an introvert, I was, it, you know, I heard all of her accomplishments, everything that she does. And I thought, wow, like in my mind, I thought advocacy means you need to be 
like a big personality. You need to like walk up to people and schmooze. And that's not my style. And so when I heard that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. Like it's something I'm passionate about, but I was really doubting myself. And so that like brief blip in that webinar gave me the courage to apply for the fellowship. And here we are. Oh my God. That's that I always say when I grow up I want to be Lori <laughs> and Anna too and it's interesting because I know these people from my college and I always wanted to be a good friend with um, Anna she is very busy doing her advocacy work so I don't see her a lot but every time I'm um, I'm like Anna can we go for a coffee can we be best friends <laughs> that's very excited I'm very excited to have mm -hmm. both of them here tonight I am too. And I know our listeners are excited too, but we're going to make you wait a minute. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to do Hot on the Hill. You're listening to Advocast, the adult education podcast. And now it's time for What's Hot on the Hill with Aaron and Sarah. Take it away. Congress has worked hard to finish a final version of the fiscal year 2022 appropriation bill, which provides funding to WIOA Title II. The annual funding mechanism through which adult education receives federal dollars. Lawmakers in Washington have been working to pass a funding bill uh, for the rest of federal fiscal year. Um, COIP has been urging Congress to include an increase of $135 million for adult education so programs can expand classroom space, recruit and retain more full-time teaching models, and invest in effective in-demand programs such as integrated education and training, IET. Thank you to whoever contacted their senators and representative to urge them to include an increase of $135 million for the adult education state grants program. So advocacy never ends, does it, Sarah? <laughs> No, it does not. <laughs> it doesn't. And in fact, uh, while you were doing that, I actually filled out <laughs> the three click. I was paying attention. I totally was. But I also filled out the three click while you were talking. Um, so if you're someone who feels like I don't really want to go to the hill or make a phone call, but I do want to do something on behalf of this field, um, you can do the COABE three-click tool, access it from a computer or a phone. You know, if you're listening to this advocast, I know you've got a device nearby. Um, you can find it on the COABE website. I always go through my email and just find it in the most recent COABE connection because sometimes I forget how many times I've filled it out. I'm sure my legislators are like, Aaron, you send this to us every week. It doesn't take long. So even in a busy schedule, 
you can find like, I don't know, 30 seconds to complete. You know what I do? I usually do that when I'm waiting for my food to warm up in the microwave. So that's how fast it is. Oh, that's mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, you're not yeah. cooking like a, a big turkey dinner in your microwave. No. <laughs> I usually meal prep. So when I come to work or when I go home, I have my food ready. So I just need to put it in a microwave. And when I'm waiting for my food to warm up, um, I just do the three clicks. And that's Ooh. very easy and fast. Yeah. The Advocast fully supports that. Listen to us while you're doing food prep. Do the three clicks while you're reheating it. <laughs> you'll be fed and you'll learn about advocacy. What's better exactly. than that? <laughs> so we know what's hot on the hill, but if you want to see someone who sizzles with advocacy, you definitely want to check out our first guest. So with us today is Lori Kirstead. Joseph. So thank you, Lori, so much for joining us today. Hi, Lori. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. And wow, what an introduction. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> we are both fangirling right now. <laughs> we well, Sarah, you see her all the time. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'll tell you, when I grow up, I want to I want to launch a podcast um, and fangirling fan too. So I'm really, I really appreciate the chance to be here. I love that. Is there any adult who feels like they're actually an adult? Because I don't. <laughs> so Lori, I did some research about, you know, like your background and everything prior to the podcast, but I'd love to hear from you. Like just Tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks again for um, for having me here. Um, I um, my name is Lori Kirsted Joseph, and I it's my honor that I get to serve as the Assistant Vice Chancellor for Adult Basic Education for College and Career at Pima Community College. Um, I also serve on the COE board as co-chair of the Workforce Development Committee, and I serve on my state association's awareness uh, committee, so on the Arizona Association for Lifelong Learning Awareness Committee. So that's sort of what I do now, but I have to say that um, I'd love to talk about why I came to adult ed. You know, I started in adult ed over 20 years ago. Um, I, I sort of came in, like many do, sort of um, sideways. I was looking to do a, a, an independent study uh, for my for my master's level work. I was studying language acquisition, and I spent a bunch of time in a in a classroom in an ESL class um, in one of our adult ed centers, and I fell in love. I fell in love with our students, with uh, adult ed, with that amazing energy that you get when you sit in a classroom and work with learners who are motivated and grateful and and really reaching for um, the skills they need for a better life. I, I, I couldn't leave. So I went from being an observer to a volunteer, to a teacher, to a coordinator, to a manager. I just never left. Um, and all along, I really, I just, I'm, I'm somebody who sees myself as a servant leader. I'm motivated to be here to use my voice and my role and my privilege to serve our community, our, our learners, and my colleagues as best as I can. Um, 
So that's a little bit about how I got here. That's why we like our Lori. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Lori. Um, so there is this question that almost every single teacher asks me, and um, that is, what are some of the most common ways that adult education programs are funded? Where does the funding come from? Yeah, so so certainly programs like ours in um, the, the one that we have here at Pima Community College, we are funded in a few ways, right? So we get federal funding through the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act or WIOA's Title II, um, the Adult Ed and Family Literacy Act. So we get, a, we get a, most of our funding from the federal level. There's also a required state match. So there is state, there's state funding that has to be put up so that we can draw down those federal dollars. And, and there's a required match of three to one, three federal to one state. Um, it's important to note, and, and we often like to remind our elected officials, that's a minimum, not a maximum. Um, and so as you look across funding across different states, you'll see some states have a lot of money that they put in to support their adult learners. And some, like Arizona, have been putting in the, the, the bare minimum for a fair amount of time now. Um, so it just depends state to state. So there's usually federal dollars and state dollars. Um, and then certainly our, our funders at the state level also ask for local um, match or contributions so that our host organizations are helping to support our programs as well. It's important to note that um, adult ed lives in different spaces um, and in different organizations across the country. So in some states, adult ed sort of is, is a part of the community college system. And in other states, it's a part of the K-12 district or K-12 system. Um, and in other states, it might be in the Department of Labor or at the state level. And so adult ed sort of shows up in different spaces and that funding comes through those different um, pass-through organizations depending on the state. I'll say that even in, in Arizona, it, although at the state level it comes through the K-12 system, um, the adult ed programs in the state, some are in community colleges, some are in school districts, some of them are in workforce, uh, uh, local workforce agencies, and some are in nonprofits. So it just sort of depends in, on your state and on your local situation how those funds come in. That's great. I think that's pretty similar to Illinois, but for, for anybody listening who might say, oh, that's really interesting that like three to one in Arizona, how do you rec how do you recommend people find that information out about their own states? What would be some good contacts to, to figure that out? Well, I will say that the COABE website has really great data um, on the state fact sheets about how much funding um, goes to each state and how many learners are served and how, how big the need is in each state. So that's really helpful as an initial connection. But as we talk today about advocacy, I will say that um, the state adult ed office is willing to share and tell you how much funding they get and, and, uh, and how that's going. They themselves are, are not allowed to advocate, but as individuals and certainly as part of our state and national organizations, we can speak up and say, hey, you know, I'm glad we get this much money, but boy, we could do a lot more if we got this much. Um, and so I have found that state offices are quite um, willing to, to 
in a matter of moments, answer an email about how much state funding they have or need. That's great. Thank you. That's wonderful to know. Um, Lori, could you please talk a little bit more about um, how an increase in funding would affect adult ed programs? Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, um, it's really, really the need for adult ed is greater now maybe than ever before, right? The family sustaining jobs and careers in our current and future workforce are going to requ require adults to have some training beyond high school. But we know that 51 million adults in the US have low literacy skills and 75 million adults have low numeracy skills, right? And just 1.5 million of those folks are enrolled with us in adult ed. There's this huge need. So at a minimum, if we could get an increase in adult ed funding, that would allow us to serve more of those millions of learners who really need to brush up on their basic skills, learn English or get a high school equivalency diploma to even be able to access and succeed in some training or, or a new career. Additionally, I wanna note that adult ed programs do more than just teach reading, writing, math and English, right? I know Erin, you're, you're a teacher and Sarah, you and I have both been teachers. We do so much more than, than just the basic skills instruction. Um, we support digital literacy skills development. We do a lot of employability and, and life skills and 21st century skill development. And we're even partnering with colleges and training institutions to offer integrated education and career training. So, you know, digital literacy training means we need adult ed programs to have computers that learners can access, that have up-to-date um, software and, mm. and things like that. And, and those, those don't come cheap. And so we've got these teachers who do great work training uh, learners in the skills they need, including digital literacy, um, but they can't, may not always have access to the devices they need. So that's one area perhaps that another, that additional funding could help. Mm -hmm. And then I just want to note on one, one other area I think of, and I talk a lot about when I'm doing advocacy work is, um, is, student supports, student services, and wraparound supports. What we know is that adult learners in, in adult ed, because it's what WIOA asks of us, our adult learners have multiple barriers to success. Mm -hmm. They may be struggling with some things in terms of housing or food insecurity. They may have um, not enough childcare or transportation um, support to allow them to come to class every single day. They might be struggling with other challenges um, around their health. And we know that we need to be able to help them troubleshoot when those things bubble up so that they can stay engaged with school. And so I think one of the big things that we need more funding for is those student services and navigators who can really support learners, build those relationships and help them connect with the resources within your institution maybe, or within the community that are gonna help them be successful in their, in their studies. That would that would be amazing. I feel like sometimes as a teacher in a program, I'm not just teach teacher, I'm counselor, I'm trying to connect them to local services. And it it's it's hard. It's hard to do all the things and do them well, especially since my training is teaching. Um, so having somebody there who could be that professional and really serve our students would also serve our communities. 
Um, and I, something I'm always surprised with when I talk to legislators is they're just shocked to hear everything that we cover in adult education, right? When they, when so many, when people hear adult education, they equate it to GED. <laughs> and it's so much more than that, as you just highlighted. Um, so you touched on like how programs could use this funding because we could really use <laughs> this funding. But sometimes, even though to us, it's really obvious that there's this need and there's this impact talking to stakeholders and legislators about increased funding can sometimes be a tough sell so what have you found to be one of the strongest arguments that you make um, on behalf of increased funding for adult ed Oh, that's a good question. You know, different arguments reach different people differently. Um, so it's often good to go in with a few um, at the ready. So I, I think right now workforce development and skill development is on everybody's radar. And it's a very, um, it's something that speaks to folks on both sides of the aisle, um, that folks really want to help employers, they want to help workers. Um, and so I go in really, um, drawing attention to what we hear every day in the news about the jobs that are out there that are going underfilled, um, the workforce of the future that's going to be really going to require folks to have career skills and career training. Um, and so I really focus on that, that workforce piece. And then the other piece that I, I, I point out is um, I tend to share the data around one, the fact that, that we are not we're not, um, we're not having as many children as we used to in the US. Um, so we talk a lot about sort of a birth dearth and the reality that we are not going to be able to fill all of those jobs simply by graduating all of the learners in our K-12 schools right now, that we are only going to meet workforce demand by skilling and upskilling our adults um, who are already in the workforce perhaps. But you and I know, and what I like to remind our legislators is there's a lot of those folks who lack some basic skills or lack a high school equivalency diploma. So I quoted earlier the number of folks who maybe need some math help or some reading help to, to get up to the skills they need to succeed in, in some training. But in Arizona, for example, alone, we have over 700,000 adults out there in the workforce who don't have a high school diploma yet. Um, and we're actually seeing those numbers increase, unfortunately, as a result of the pandemic. And I think states are seeing, they're seeing the very same thing all across the country. So really just drawing on that, if you wanna meet workforce demand, if you want, if you want your employers to have uh, the workers they need and you want individuals to be able to support themselves and their families, you've got to invest in adult ed to help these learners get the skills they need to um, succeed in college and career. And then the other piece that's a really um, important piece to share is that it's really, um, it's kind of like a two for one or sometimes more than two for one, because if you're upskilling that adult learner, then they're going to be better able if they're parents to support their children in their learning. Because we all know that the best predictor of a child's success in education is the education level of their parents. And so those two arguments I find to be really impactful. That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing, Lori. So in some states, um, the work is to build any awareness in adult ed. And in some states, um, some private companies 
families want to take over the adult ed. How does advocacy vary from case to case or state to state? Oh, that's such a great question, Sarah. And it's such a great thing to keep in mind as an advocate is to sort of get to know the landscape of what's happening in your in your state. We are seeing um, more and more competition in the adult ed space, private companies that are seeking public dollars to, to, um, to launch adult ed programs or sometimes adult high school programs. Um, and I'll tell you, the need is huge, right? I want adults to all have access to whatever learning they need to be successful, but we wanna make sure that, um, that, that, that um, private organizations with lobbying teams um, don't, don't, out, don't cast a shadow over us, right? So that we don't get the funding to keep doing what we do so well in the adult ed system. And so um, I'll tell you in my experience, there have been times in, in my past where, where what we've been doing is simply, as Sarah said, trying to raise awareness. Like, hello, here's this thing. It's called adult ed. Have you heard of it? We really want you to know more about it because it's doing great work and we could use more funding to help more learners. And then I would say recently in the last couple of years, it's been more about helping legislators understand what's the what do we do that's the same or different from these private institutions that are reaching for public dollars. Um, and and so it's a, it's almost a little bit of a defensive advocacy strategy and a like needling in to say, but wait, we do that. Don't say we don't do that, but we do that too. And we're doing it, um, you know, for a bare minimum of funding. And 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 we sure um, we sure would like to get some more of that. Um, and I can tell you that 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 defensive move in our state did um, help put a hold on some of those bills coming in last year. Um, but it didn't it didn't stop them permanently. And instead, what we're seeing this year, we're one of those states where where our legislators really push for choice in education. They've done it at the K-12 level and they've done it. They're, they're looking to doing it now in, in adult ed. Um, so we may well. Um, so what we're seeing is this push for more funding for adult ed, but having these different options may not be my number one choice for how they would resolve that situation, but if it means that they're, that they're, that learners are getting served and that there's some more money coming toward our public system, it could be a win-win. Um, one little side note I can say is that it's amazing what an organization with um, a big, with a paid lobbyist can do um, to raise awareness about adult ed. Um, I really think they've done a great job of getting awareness for the need in our state. And so in some ways we're riding those coattails to say, yeah, we agree. And the system needs a lot of, a lot of support. So that is, that's something that's kind of news to me. And when Sarah brought it up prior to the podcast, it, it rattled me because I, you know, I've been thinking, you know, advocacy, it is a heavy lift, you know, it's just constantly reaching out and saying, hey, we're here. Don't forget about us. We're still here. I know kids are cute, but <laughs> our adults need you too. Um, and then when she, yeah, when she mentioned that, you know, it, it could be a matter of competing for funds, like directly competing for funds, like that kind of put me on alert and um, made me think, wow, like this, this is why advocacy is important because at any moment, you know, it could turn from raising awareness to 
competing for those funds. Yeah. Um, and I'm and ready to compete thing, for them. I will. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that we say in our state is that we always see Lori being up in the front line, fighting for adult education, fight, fight, fighting for the funding and everything. And we are always cheering her from the back seats. And um, we always say, LKJ, LKJ, LKJ. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Are there t-shirts? Like you should get t-shirts. put it on And then ship one to me. I'll pay shipping. <laughs> I want one too. Oh, I love that you're saying that, Sarah. But the reality is that it's a team effort in our state, isn't it? We've had Sarah as our fellow this last year. She's done an incredible job. Yeah. And, and, um, and I'll tell you, you know, Aaron, I was so struck by and, 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 and um, humbled by what you said in the opening about what it meant to hear me talk about being this sort of introvert who um, it's not easy for me to reach out to a legislator for the first time. It, I'm not that outgoing by nature. Um, but I think when it's true relationship building, when you have colleagues like Sarah and, and teammates like I do, like we do on our awareness committee, and we're all thinking and strategizing and we're, and we're out there on behalf of someone else, it sort of helps me, um, you know, be a little more outgoing. But it also helps me to focus on those relationships. Like, yes, we're, we're fighting for the funding, but it's been a lot of just getting to know people getting to know the education person in the governor's office and making sure she knows who we are and what adult ed is and, and getting to know our legislators and, and supporting our colleagues across the state and getting to know their elected officials, even just enough to say, hey, thanks for the funding you do give us and look at all the great work that happens. And you know, we'd love to have you come visit, visit our program. You know, advocacy can be really big um, sometimes when it's this big push because you're fighting or pushing back against someone who wants your funding. Um, but it, it's also important to have those um, smaller things like the three clicks you do while warming up your lunch or just making sure you're having relational visits with the elected officials that are in your area so they know you're there and they know what the funding they already give you is doing for learners and for the community. The the community of I almost said advocators, that's not a word, of advocates, <laughs> I have found to be really invigorating. You know, just as you said, working with other people on this common goal, it's just, it's so rewarding. And I I love it, you know, Sarah and I love it. That's why, that's why we have the Advocast, you know, yes. join us. <laughs> Lori, I'm curious to know what's an advocacy success story that um, that you've had. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I've been thinking about that and and thinking, you know, there's a part of me that that won't feel totally successful until adult has has way too much money, you know, and and can do everything it needs to. Um, but there are successes, and we have to celebrate the the little successes, right? So whether it's that that um, success last year in our state of sort of staving off this, this um, private company so that this year there's a big conversation in our state happening about adult ed and how do we get the funding we need to support adult learners. That's a win. Um, that, that, that people are aware of us in a way they've never been before. I also, um, you know, I know we, we, our, our system hasn't seen a COVID relief bill from the federal level. 
But I do feel like we've had successes on getting pots of money to help our learners. Some of those came through relationships with our host institutions, right? So we're lucky enough to be part of a community college that has leveraged some of those emergency relief dollars that higher ed got to serve adult learners who are students in our college. That was a fantastic win. And that really comes out of having our college understand us deeply mm -hmm. and understand our learners deeply. So not all advocacy is about the legislature or the Congress, right? It, sometimes it's just about your, your colleagues knowing what you do. Um, and then we've had some luck with, with local COVID, local county and state COVID dollars coming for some specific purposes. I would love it to, to like, I'd love them to like write a check to adult debt and say, do what you think you must. But it doesn't always work that way. We have been able though to, to leverage it for some specific um, projects to try and incentivize enrollment and persistence in our program. So all of those feel like wins, right? Every time you get a new project funded or um, or you or you get a new person who's out there advocating on your behalf because they they understand you now. Every one of those is a win. That's wonderful. So Lori, I have no doubt that you have resonated with our listeners just like you you resonate with Sarah and I and there you've got a bunch of fans out there who are probably wondering Lori, I want to hear more. I want to, you know, keep up to date on what you're doing. How can people contact you or find you? Oh, I would love it if folks wanted to reach out and contact me. Um, I'm easy to find. I'm at Pima Community College. Um, I can certainly tell you my email and you could send it out with this. It's lkirsted at pima.edu. So L-K-I-E-R-S-T-E-A-D. Email me anytime. You can find me on the Pima website. Um, you can find me through the COE board as the workforce chair as well. And um, my hope is that folks will, um, just as you said at the beginning, Erin, like I, I'm so heartened by what you said, like see themselves and see, okay, maybe there's a role for me in this. Like maybe it doesn't look exactly like Sarah, the fellow or Aaron, the fellow and the podcast amazing podcast launchers along with this, obviously Jeff. Um, but, but hopefully they'll find what they can do. Maybe they'll join the awareness committee on their state association, or maybe they'll just for the first time, pick up their phone and do those three clicks. I just hope folks will each say like, what's the thing I feel like I can do to get started in this? Yeah. Lori, are you on any social media? I am. I am. Um, you can find me as Lori K. Joseph on Twitter. That's probably the best one to find me on. But I'm on Perfect. social. I'm on uh, Facebook as well and Instagram. Great. Thank you so much. We'll tag you in this uh, in the post when this goes live, so everyone can click on it and follow you. And beware, you'll probably have a bunch of emails <laughs> coming your way from me because I wrote it down. <laughs> Great. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say to our, our listeners out there? That Yeah, I would say the only other thing that maybe we haven't touched on today that I think everyone who works in the field of adult ed can do is really work to elevate student voice. I know you're going to be hearing from Anna in a little bit, and um, it's our learners that really bring it home for folks. If they don't quite understand what adult ed is or who we serve, it's those student stories. It's a learner saying, this is how adult ed changed me and helped me get on the path toward my future. 
um, those that's what changes people's minds. The statistics are helpful. Mm -hmm. The data is helpful to understand the vastness of the need. But it's the learner stories that bring it home and that really make people sit up and pay attention. And so make sure in your in your program that you're collecting those student stories, that you're identifying learners who are willing to share them and get them out there, whether you get them out on social media, whether you um, get it in writing and email it out to an elected official, um, whatever you want to do, but get those stories out there because that's that's what changes hearts and minds. Right on, Lori. Right on. Thank you so much. Yes, student success stories are very important. Lori, thank you so much for stopping in and not just talking about funding, um, but you really connected why advocacy matters. And like I, I feel this energy to like go out there and reach out. Thank you, Lori. You're so welcome. Thank you for the invite and thank you for all you're doing with the Advocast. Um, you're really making a difference. So I just feel honored to have been here. Thanks for the invite. Thanks. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back to speak with Anna Chavarin. You're listening to Advocast, the adult education podcast, sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. And now, here are your hosts, Erin Verbonik and Sarah Hegeg. Welcome back. My name is Sarah, and I'm with my co-host, Erin, and you've been listening to the Adult Ed Advocast. We are here today with Anna. Anna Chavarin is an immigrant, single mom, and a former um, GED student. That's how I know her because she studied in the program that I'm working in. But Anna is an amazing woman. She's very inspiring. She's been doing a lot of amazing things and recently she graduated from college. So I want to give the floor to her. Hi, Anna, how are you? Hi everyone, um, I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me here. I am more than happy than uh, talking to you and to your audience. Thank you so much. Why don't you tell us about yourself and the amazing work that you're doing? Um, sure, just tell me where do you want me to start? <laughs> okay, start from the beginning. How did you get involved with adult education? And then tell us more, all the good things that I don't want to spill. <laughs> um, sure, um, I got um, involved in adult education uh, back in 2011. Um, uh, I was, um, I have, I, I have always um, wanted to go back to school, but um, I couldn't have that opportunity until 2011. So I had um, the chance to do it and I just grabbed it and went and registered for um, classes. And that's where my journey started. Um, I was taking classes and then I heard about a student council um, I got involved in the student life and uh, learned to work in team and to advocate for education. And then uh, I took one of those uh, um, ambassador trainings 
and became an ambassador myself and um, all these things were happening at the same time while I was still getting classes and getting to uh, train to, to be an ambassador. So it was, it was an amazing journey. Um, I got my GD in 2013 and, um, and then I started to explore my way into Pima College. So and you I recently went, graduated, right? Did you graduate? Yeah, I, I graduated from Pima College in 2018. Good, like, that's great. It took, it took me a little bit longer. <laughs> that's because amazing. Was, um, I was a part-time student, so it took me almost five years to to get my associate degree. Mm -hmm. Then in 2018, I started at U of A and I just graduated U of A in 2008, uh, last year, 2021. Congratulations. Congratulations. What did you study? Uh, clinical psychology. Beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. And you're doing, uh, you're a community organizer as well, right? Tell us where you work at. Yes, I I became a community organizer in 2015. Wow. Um, yeah, it was through the work that I was doing with adult ed and advocacy um, that I got familiar with the organization that I work for now. And it was it was almost like the like an extension of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, I was already passionate about advocating for issues that affect our families. And this organization just seems to be like the perfect fit for what I wanted to do. So I've been working with them for the last seven, eight years. That is so cool. I, I love how you said that, you know, you were just kind of drawn to advocacy and that it's something that's really important to you. And one thing that stuck out to me about your story, you said that you got involved with student government mm -hmm. uh, at Pima Community College. And I know from, from experience talking to some adult learners, that can be kind of a scary thing, <laughs> kind of um, going into, uh, into student government and getting involved in advocacy. So what what inspired you to take that step? Well, I I have always thought that if I wanted to make a change, I need to be right there at the table with uh, everyone where the decisions are happening. And if you're not on the table, you're the menu. So <laughs> I, I better be at the table and I want to be there and I want to be the voice that I speak out from the student perspective. Um, what happens when tuition is raised? What happened with the books that are so expensive? What happened when instructors are not prepared enough or are not um, friendly sometimes to students? I had wonderful instructors, but I have others that it was so difficult to work with them. Mm -hmm. So when we are adults and we are parents and we have um, 
the life of, of an adult, which is like working, paying bills, raising family, all of that. And on top of that, you go to school and then you find that the instructor is not uh, well prepared or doesn't like to work with the students. It, it makes it extra harder. Also, when you find out that um, tuition is increasing and therefore your scholarship or your financial aid or whatever is not going to be enough, and you're going to have to get um, money that you would use for your family to put into education, that those things are um, causing struggles in families. So because I've been there and done that and know what it means and how it feels to be in that position, I wanted to be part of the government to, in a sense, be the voice for when these decisions are made. Um, I could say, no, this is a no-go. We cannot raise the tuition or we cannot do this or we need to do that. You know, finding those ways to help the students. Um, and then that's, that was my, my um, inspiration to be there understanding the struggles of adult learners and wanting to be the voice and making sure that the things that were decided were under favor. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love how you transferred all the knowledge that you gained from um, student ambassador training that you had when you were in adult ed programs to the part that you continue to go to credit side of the house and U of A and all of those things and you started fighting for your rights moving forward too um and after even after when you graduated from adult ed program that is amazing and wonderful and i know that even now you're helping us with all the advocacy and mm -hmm. all the meetings that we go to and you help us fight for um adult ed uh, programs here in arizona so um i just want to ask you um to maybe tell us a success story. Tell us about um, one of the advocacy stories that you had here when you went on a visit that you felt that, oh, that was a very successful meeting or that was a very good experience. We, I have many. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that um, one of, of those stories could be some of the trips to Washington, D.C. and advocating for the reauthorization of the Wiowa um, and telling my story to different uh, congressmen and senators that really like make an impact. Um, but also at a local level, going to Phoenix and, and visiting in, in the capital, um, and, and, and even like bringing it more local to Tucson with elected officials in Tucson. Um, every every year that we visited the city council or the board of supervisors, so they could continue to support our buildings, you know, the maintenance of the buildings and different programs and inviting them to see the students and see the successes. Um, I think there's so many stories. Like I couldn't just choose one. <laughs> It, there, there are many stories, um, but I, I think one of the of the most precious um, stories that I remember having um, now Mayor Regina Romero coming to our um, group of uh, ambassadors and sitting with us and listening to our needs of why we needed 
um, bus stops with uh, lighting and shade um, in that specific center nearby El Rio and having those conversations and hearing from, from her and how um, she came from that background also from adult education because her, her parents also went through something similar. So those connections, I think um, there's so many, so many stories that I, that I can really pick one. <laughs> amazing. That, those are amazing stories. Thank you so much. I, I think every state is, every listener from different states is saying, we need an Anna. You really are just a phenomenal sp spokesperson for the ambassador training too. The, the fact that you are, you're passionate about this and you're, you're experienced, it's, it's phenomenal. So Sarah, before, oh, yeah. before we go there, I just wanted to share something. Anna was a lifesaver for me when I was selected to be um, uh, Arizona safe in 2021. I was new. I, I had just started my, my role and I know that I needed help. And Anna was like, Sarah, my, I'm going to give you full available availability, whatever meeting that you want to go to, if I can, I, I'll make it. And I'll be there. I'll help you with all the visits. She has way more experience than I do. Mm -hmm. And she helped me. She was amazing. Um, thank you so much for all your help during that time that I was getting on board. Absolutely. Um, I See, I, I wanted to, 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 to say something um, about uh, what you just said, Erin, um, about states needing Anana. Um, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of students like myself there, but I'm going to tell you this in advance. It doesn't happen alone. The, the fact that I've been this successful, it's because of the instructors that have supported me all this time, the people, the coordinators from the ambassador program, from student life, all the training and the willingness they had to invest their time in my development and me taking that opportunity. So it is this this is a combination. When you have the right instructors with the right heart to help develop the students, this is what happened. So for the instructors out there who are listening to us right now, Please invest in those students that have the potential and that have the passion. They worth their time. And I'm telling you, if you invest in them, you are going to get that investment in return like 10 times bigger or maybe 100 times bigger. Because we as an adult learners, we just want someone to believe in us, someone to listen and to say, yes, I believe you and I know you can do it. And when we find that one instructor, that one coordinator, that one person in a student life saying, yes, I believe in you, you can do it. We have no limit. We go for it. But there's gotta be someone that says, I believe you. I believe in your potential and I wanna invest in you. So please, please, please invest in your students. I'm telling you, please do it. Oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps. 
I was, I was getting misty. I was, I was looking at you, Sarah. I was like, please don't let me be the only, the only person here who's not going to be able to hold it together. That is, uh, that, that is an amazing message, Anna. And that's what people, you know, that's what, that's what the field needs to hear, you know, not just legislators and stakeholders need to hear the student perspective, but teachers, administrators, staff, we, we need that reminder. This is why we do it. And I, I cannot be thankful enough to adult education and to all my family there, because as I said many times in my speeches, it just didn't change my life. It changed my whole family. Like I'm telling you my full generation, like I, I am the first one in my family ever to get a GD, that one ever get an associate's degree and now a bachelor's degree. But then my son, who is my firstborn, he already graduated from nurse school. And he's being a nurse working at a big hospital here in Tucson, um, Tucson Medical Center. And he's good. He got a career. He went to school. And then my daughter right now, she is uh, going to graduate from Pima this May in graphic design and already looking, transferring to U of A. And my son, my third son, is already at U of A. Uh, he's, um, he's in his second year. So my younger son is, is, is at, at high school. So what I'm trying to say with this is because I went through adult education and they saw me getting my GED. I told them, you need to get me a high school diploma because if I got mine, you need to get me yours. And, and all of them are doing it except Alan that he's still on the way. And then I started going to Pima and I got my associates and I set the bar and I said, look, now I have an associate. You need to get one of these. You're not allowed to get less than this. And, and they're doing it. My son did it. And now I got my bachelor's and I set the bar higher. I said, now you guys need to get a bachelor's. <laughs> Keeping up with mom. <laughs> and I said, and you know what, guys? I want you to reach higher. If I got a bachelor's, you got to get a master's or a PhD because you need to reach higher than what I'm doing right now. So it all started with adult education and giving that example to my children. And I know that after my children, there will be no kids in my family who don't get education, who doesn't finish high school. And if I see my grandkids being lazy, they're going to say, hey, if grandma did it, you <laughs> So this change our generations. It, it, it changed my life. It changed my children's life. And it's going to change my generation. Illiteracy ends here. That is our motto, uh, actually, Anna. Yes. You're so inspiring. Your story is very inspiring. And that's what we believe in as educators, especially educators in adult education field. Mm -hmm. The adult education transforms lives. You it educate does. one person but you touch the whole gener generation. That's exactly true. It does, absolutely. And you know, um, I, I have always recognized the, the love of, of my instructors. Um, they, they went above and beyond. Uh, they were not just 
teaching a subject, but they were trying to connect, trying to understand my life, trying to understand my challenges, and it, even with, with the language. I'm an immigrant from Mexico. English is my second language. And I can remember how many times I was crying in teachers at Lisa class because I couldn't understand fractions. Because it was keeping up with English and keeping up with math. I had to speak two languages at the same time. Mm -hmm. So knowing that my, my instructor, Lisa, was there and that I could come with her to repeat over and over and over the problem until I really got it and find different ways. And, and she was amazing understanding the way I learned and teaching based on the way I learned, not the way she wanted to teach, but she was the kind of people that she would sit down and say, okay, let me see the way you learn so I can teach you the way you learn, not, not the way I teach. And those little um, actions made the whole difference. I could have given up and say, no, school is not for me. It's too hard. I'm done. But she was there going that extra step, giving that extra push to make it happen. So that's why I said I could have not done it alone. I did it with all the instructors who were there uh, helping me, supporting me, and with uh, other staff from Student Life and, and the whole group. And, and I call them my, my adult family because seriously, they, they are part of my life. They are my family. That's amazing. So, Anna, I, I'm blown away by, by your story. And when we were talking about podcast guests, Sarah said, we have to get Anna on. We have to get Anna on. And... She reached out to you, and I'm so glad that you said yes and you showed up because then I saw an email from Coabe that said our keynote speaker yes. for the for the student part of the conference is Anna Shaverin, and I said, oh, "How perfect! We get to meet her before before she goes <laughs> up on the big stage, right?" So I I encourage anybody and everybody who's blown away by Anna's story to encourage your students to sign up for that conference and to listen to her too, because just like all of us need to hear this, and I think your message is really powerful for, for adult education students as well. So I'd love for you to just maybe leave our, our listeners with just one last thought here. If there's anything that you feel like, I just want people to know. Yes, I would say to the students, please don't give up and reach out to your instructors. They are willing to do more for you. Don't be shy. Don't give up. Just talk to them and, and find ways that you can work it. Um, trust them. They are there, and when you trust them, they, they do wonders. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Anna. If our listeners um, want to reach out to you, do you have any social media handle that you can just give to them? So you can I, don't know I, I am on Facebook, um, and I think it's my full name, Anna Patricia Chavarin. Um, so I will be happy to get messengers or anything they want to they wanna say. Um, I, I have always been open to, to listen and to, and to help anyone. So I, I'm reachable. Just shoot, shoot me a message. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Anna. It's been a it's been a pleasure and I can't wait to just kind of watch you and see all of the amazing stuff that you do. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you for allowing me this time to share with you guys. And thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being our instructors. Thank you for, for helping us to change our lives. And, and you guys are doing an amazing job. You don't know the impact that you cause in our lives. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Advocats, the adult education podcast. Your hosts have been Aaron Robonik and Sarah Hedigi. This podcast is sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education, nominee producer, Dr. Abramowitz. You can listen to this episode on the YouTube channel or at www.coa.org.